Hey guys! We are live again! I we are know. so excited to be back. I know, it's been a minute! Yeah. And I feel like we kind of ended slightly abruptly. I know, uh, we missed you guys and we hope you missed us too. We're really excited for the second season and the second season is super special because guess what? We are in the same location! <laughs> so, gone are the days with the crinkly Skype connection, we hope. <laughs> we bought a mic and everything, so we, we, we've upgraded, yo, we've upgraded. <laughs> so, welcome along. So, yeah, I was staying in, last season, um, I was staying in the U.S., and now I've, I've moved to London with Nana. Well, I didn't move in with Nana, but I moved to London. That'd be cool, be roomies, that'd be fun. Um, but I've started my master's program, so I'm super excited about that yeah. and exploring London so that's that's been going great <laughs> it's been going great yeah okay so pretty much for our first episode like we were thinking back you know over the summer and kind of strategizing and we felt like our first season and even our first episode we were like okay I'm a Malayo I'm a now let's move on <laughs> <laughs> very true let's so, talk about yeah let's yeah. talk about blah blah blah, blah, blah. exactly so in this episode we're gonna take it a bit easy and just reintroduce ourselves um, let you know what's going on in our lives. Talk a bit more about this podcast, the name, yeah, um, our vision for it, and all that fun stuff. So. Awesome! I'm super excited about today's episode. And what's also cool is that we are so we're in my room right now. Yep. It's a beautiful day. Kind of wish we were outside, but super important to be recording this episode. Absolutely. It's been cold since I got here, y'all. But anyways, we've got our white Zinfandel. We are like ready to go, <laughs> and I'm feeling like really fun because I used to like listen to like different podcasts like um I used to like listen to like the Tim Ferriss one and I know Side Hustle Pro she did this one time where like they're just like sipping wine and doing their podcast so I feel like you know like we've made it kind of thing so when Lana was like oh like bring out the wine um because I thought we would like take a break and then um have our wine but we're doing it as we're recording so I feel yeah pretty good right now I mean <laughs> How, how how much better are you gonna get to know us? Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that did not come out how I wanted it to come out. No, but this and is then, me in my natural element. Yeah, yeah, that's like, what I meant to say. Sipping not, some wine on an yeah. afternoon with my bestie. Just, just living life. And the funny thing is that I am such a lightweight. I think that probably I'll fare a bit better because it's white Zinfandel. So I feel like the alcohol <laughs> content is quite low. But watch me by my second glass. You're like, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> the slur. That's all they want to say. Luckily, this podcast episode isn't live. So maybe we can like <laughs> edit that part out. But Lordy. forgive us if the end starts getting blurry. Blurry, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we just poured a little more wine and we're ready to like catch up. So I know Nana traveled and I can't wait to hear all about that trip. Um, but for me, I guess we can start with me. Okay, then. <laughs> um, no, because I just feel like I just have so much to like, talk about and we haven't seen each other in some time. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, yeah, so I'm doing my master's mm -hmm. in uh, at SOAS, the School of Oriental and African Studies for um, a master's in migration, mobility, and development. So it's a mouthful, but it's in, mouthful. The, <laughs> it's in the development program. Um, and I just felt, so in undergrad, I did my um, thesis on Senegalese migration narratives. And so ever since then, I've just been really, really fascinated with migration and the I, yeah, let me just jump in here. Um, I'm gonna ask a little rock star, y'all. She won the Born Scholarship, and so she actually took a study abroad 
um, kind of trip, went to Senegal for a semester, then did a follow-up that summer in New York, in Little Senegal, was mm -hmm. it? Yeah. It's essentially the immigrant community um, up in New York, so she is dedicated to her craft and, <laughs> you know, has it's something that she's really passionate about, so I'm really proud of her oh, for thank moving you. here. She's making my cheeks rosy and it's not the line. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm just really passionate about this and it's also like from various angles as well um, because I was able to do some like anti-human anti-human trafficking stuff in undergrad as well and so it just made me realize that there's so much of this migration thing but the number one thing is that in the UN we say that migration or like mobility rather is a human right but yeah. clearly we see in today's world when you look around about who's actually allowed to move from where to where like it's not true it's not a human right for everyone um so i just really wanted to take a year to like really delve into this topic from like yeah. the policy angles i'm taking like a migration policy class i'm taking a um, migration and refugee law class i'm taking mm -hmm. um in the next semester i'm taking like a queer and feminist diaspora class so I just wanted to like explore this topic of migration from as many different angles as possible, as possible yeah. and so that that way I can go on to work with maybe like the IOM or um, you know What's a, IOM? Um, the International Organization for Migration oh, um, so they're kind of part of the UN but they work with like um, just so many different aspects of the migration nexus um, so so I'm not exactly sure how I'm gonna end up with this migration thing like maybe I'll go on to a PhD maybe I'll go on to law Ooh. school who knows? Yeah, um, or maybe yeah, I'll just yeah. go right into international development. Um, so I'm still exploring it. All I know is that I do want to dedicate my life um, and like my purpose feels like working in the migration sector and ensuring yeah. that mobility truly is a human it's right. A, yeah, yeah. yeah. Aw, she's giving me all the feels. <laughs> and I have to confess that like this sounds like super cool to me also because I think one of the things I regret from undergrad, like from at Elon, is the fact that like I never took any kind of social well I took one like I took like maybe two or three but f like you know being a business like a finance major like I wasn't taking these kind of classes that explore these kind of topics mm. and I think that's something that I really wish that I would have done mm -hmm. so I've actually considered um because recently I was talking to my dad who was kind of like oh so for your PhD I was thinking you'd come you'd go back to America and I was like uh excuse me now I just finished my master's like a year ago. Can I chill? Um, but I feel like I, I would be very interested in doing something of that sort, like focus on the African continent, mostly because I felt like I have, it's not something that I've explored like academically, mm -hmm. so I'd be really interested in that. So kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so now let's get into the juicy bits. How do you feel having moved to London oh. town? It's good, it's good. I haven't gotten to <laughs> But when I first got here, um, the the Instagram post that I posted, I used like that song with Estelle and Kanye West, I think, Ooh, like, just touched down yeah. So, just touched down in London town. I was like, I felt so special. But I'm pretty happy because I haven't gotten run over by a double-decker bus yet. I have this weird... Is that supposed to be a thing? I have this weird image in my head that I'm just going to get, like, run over. <laughs> No. Um, and it's because like I keep looking the wrong side of the road yeah. when I I'm trying to cross. I so that's been a struggle. I um, do. Yeah. And then other than that, let me see what else. 
Like I said earlier, it's kind of cold here, so that was a shock because I'm coming from like Southern Maryland where it was like humid. And it's so funny because like I think the day or that week that you came, you tried to do a photo shoot and it was just rain. It's just <laughs> yeah. cloudy rain. Now it's like, yep. Like, yep. Proper London. Proper London. Welcome. <laughs> Proper London. But like we said today, like it's really sunny outside mm -hmm. and it's so good but so freaky. Like why is it so sunny? Because this is so unnatural. Yeah. But hey. We won't Love question it. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's been good. And then making friends was um, has been going fine. I think it's always like an adjustment, right? And especially yeah. like the first two weeks that like you know everybody like is like oh like come do this, come do that. Um, I was staying kind of far away, so I always yeah. like get home on time. So like literally the really place out I was staying, I was like I have never heard of it other than like from her like. L Street and Boromwood. It's like what zone six? Yeah, it's in zone six. Um, yeah. but it's okay. We're here now, so I moved yeah. closer to campus. So that's been kind of cool. Like yeah. going to IKEA and like trying to think of like how I'll decorate my room. That's something I haven't done yeah, in a while. Because yeah. before this, I was staying with my mom, yeah. and then before that, when I was living in Nigeria, I was staying with my aunt. So like, yeah, I, I haven't had like my own space to like decorate and like feel as oh, I want yes. in a while. Yeah. So that's been kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. and it's um, it's been frustrating because I'm like, I'm gonna have to carry all this stuff. Like, back. oh my gosh! So. Like, I came to meet her today, and home girl has her grocery <laughs> shopping from Tesco, oh. as well as shopping from Argos. I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, super, <laughs> superwoman light. Yep. Um, but. Yeah, I think, you know, the friendship thing is interesting because I know I had touched base with you, like, earlier this week or was it last week? Just asking how it's going and I think, like, just moving to a new city as an adult is always interesting as far as friendships go um, because I think, you know, it's even better when you're, like, in school, right? Because at least there is that environment, there is that community it, you know, it will take some time, but at least there's other people in the same place as you, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's even more interesting when, like, when you just, when you add to the whole country, like, a new country element to it, particularly as an adult. Mm -hmm. Because most often than not, people have their friend groups already. They, they have their friend groups from uni, their friend groups from, like, sixth form, like, you know, all those different layers. So, so you're, like, trying to break into that. Trying to break like, into that. It, like, it doesn't happen. So I was thinking about it today, and I feel like what becomes more realistic is that you have pockets of friends right right so for me for instance like i work with like some amazing girls shout out to you guys you know who you are amana if rebecca sarah all of y'all if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> but you like out. i know so they're an amazing group of people so at least i know like you know at work these are people that i have um you know outside then i have my friend tosin who i go to church with mm -hmm. and now i have them. but yeah i think yeah adulting and friends mm -hmm. like it's when tough. you move to a new place yeah. is very interesting because i was also talking to my friend odua who hey odua who moved from like she's originally from Greensboro, North Carolina, like and has been out of home for quite a while because like went to college somewhere else and then went to LA and it's now back. Mm. And she's like, girl, that's struggle. Just trying to find that's other funny. Yeah, yeah. It's really rough. So So that's just kinda nice though, because all of yeah. us are kind of like from all over the world. There's a handful of British and there's actually a lot more Americans at SOAS than I was really? expecting. And I haven't met that many other Nigerians. I'm like hollow surprised. I've met a lot of South Africans though. Um, yeah, so it's interesting to see what Nigerians are not about that migration life. <laughs> I mean, that migration policy life. <laughs> there's other programs at the school. They're probably all like an econ and law. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Like, like, mm, it's pre prestigious enough. Yeah. Um, Just kidding, by the way. <laughs> Please don't come for me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and so it's kind of nice that, like, there's, like, so many people from all over the world at yeah. SOAS, and so that's been a nice 
way to just like um be able to like find those pockets of friends like yeah. either like directly in my program or like through other things I'm trying to get involved in but like haven't gotten involved in because I'm like oh Brooks gotta <laughs> 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 read oh my goodness it's so, so interesting because I think for anybody that's listening from the US um, you know in the US grad school is two years mm-hmm. here is a year mm-hmm. so it's good because you blink and you're done right. but freaking heck do they pack a lot into that one yeah. year like there was one day when I was like I was like okay let me try to take my notes by hand so then I'll like retype it um, and then like jog my memory and like you know go over the information again and when I was retyping my notes into my computer I was like how did we cover this much information in a one hour class like it took me like three hours to like rewrite my notes from class and I have neat handwriting um, and it's just crazy so we've already finished three weeks of school and I just yep. feel like my head is just like swimming and then the yeah. other issue is that all of my classes all my classes are like migration related and so although they're looking at migration from slightly different angles like they're still kind of covering similar topics like how do you define a migrant you know things like that um which like it sounds really simple when you say it out loud but when you start talking about it in theory and like temporal terms and all these things you're like oh like i don't know if this really covers everything yeah exactly um but anyways so like my head is just like swimming with all these information and like theory and jargon and things like that but i'm loving every minute of it that's good. So I think he had um, started to tell me this. Um, I think on the phone or something. We're like, okay, let's 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 save this. Yeah. The whole thing about like, was it Sudan you were saying? Oh, like stateless. Yeah. So I was telling Anna about um, statelessness, and um, she was like, oh, like you know, what's that? And so it's this idea that like some people like just don't have a state by virtue of like the circumstances they find themselves in. Yeah. Um, so for example. Um, the example that I was telling her about was these Sudanese kids, um, but they're like they're kids of Sudanese soldiers, soldiers, right? So these Sudanese soldiers were in Kenya, um, and then they just kind of like stayed in Kenya after a war. Sorry, guys, I'm really bad with history, so like, I don't remember which one. Like, um, which war? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so these kids were born in Kenya, but like the U.S. is one of the few countries that has like. Um, citizenship by birth and so those kids like didn't automatically get Kenyan citizenship because they were born in Kenya but like they also weren't born in Sudan so they don't have any papers to like say what state they belong to and so little things like registering for school and things like that their parents couldn't do it for them because like they don't have like a birth certificate or something proving that they're Kenyan or Sudanese or whatever because yeah. they're like nothing. And I thought that or this neither, was, rather. Yeah, I thought that this was quite interesting because maybe I guess it's just me being a bit ignorant but I I guess when I, you know, I think of the U.S. and I'm mm-hmm. like, the U.S. is as like, I don't know, the most quote-unquote, and I'm sure Trump would like this very much, like the most developed country on earth or whatever nonsense, Monica. Which is another have. term that we're like deconstructing. De- what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. But essentially I was like, oh, if the U.S. does, um, you know, you get born here, you automatically have citizenship, yeah. then it probably is a common thing. And then come to find out that it actually isn't at all. Nope. Um, and then I was thinking about Ghana. I was like, oh my goodness. Like, because she was saying something like as simple as registering for school when mm-hmm. you need identity. And I was like, huh? Or uh, an identity card. I was like, I didn't know this was a thing. Um, so then in that case, what ended up happening? What ended up, like... Did that go anywhere? Like, oh, yeah. Okay. So, because um, we were reading, like, the case on it. Um, yeah. And so, basically, at the end, the criminal court that... that the, it wasn't a criminal court. But the court that it, this was being trialed in, they found Kenya, like, guilty of, like, 
not providing those children like an avenue for like at least proving their identity or like yeah. giving them some kind of status like yeah. even if you don't make them citizens like you have to give them like some kind of like identification like residency permit yeah. or something yeah. you know what I mean um and so like Kenya was like required to like do right by those kids so oh, poor things yeah I if they actually did is another question another but like question. according to the case law that we read they that's were that's what was the, <laughs> yeah. yeah that was the resolution <laughs> lordy mm -hmm. um this also okay so just to let you guys know i'm that person that thinks in such tangents like <laughs> half the time i'm off base but um bear with me but it reminds me of like i think because this was happening while i was still in the u.s probably 2016 where um what's it called Dominican Republic was doing some sort of like interesting ethnic cleansing or national cleansing. Oh my gosh, that was the other case that we read with Haiti. Haiti. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, if my grandfather has been here, mm -hmm. I have never set foot in Haiti. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm Dominican. Mm -hmm. Yes, maybe I have Haitian heritage, yeah. but like, I have no connection to this. If exactly. you tell me to go back to my country, exactly like, and so one of the things that we talked about in class because i was um for that week we had to read two cases so we yeah. read the the kenya one and then the dominican one yeah. and it was basically like um what we talked about was how it was kind of like beneficial to the dominican republic to keep those like haitian descendants um in that precarious situation because then you can yeah. like you know exploit their labor or like kick them out whenever like people are complaining about like oh these haitians taking our jobs blah 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 yeah. and so like not that that's the reason that the Dominican Republic never gave them like a status or like you know um into integrated them into the yeah, society yeah, but like yeah. they they benefit off their labor if you keep them as a precarious position of like statelessness that's like I don't know I think that's absolutely ridiculous <laughs> and I think with that as well there were like some motivations about like along color lines yeah because I was about to say like the precariousness is not the only thing because the other thing is racial yeah <laughs> racism then, yeah because then Haitians were or are I guess in comparison to Dominicans much darker mm -hmm. etc so it looks like there are loads of um loaded kind of stuff coming from that angle as well that like we think you guys are different or inferior to us because you look it's just so ridiculous and i think actually one last thing that i can even think about is here in the uk so mm -hmm. i don't know if you've heard of it yet the um oh flipping heck why have i gone blank the oh yeah so i had a total brain fart but it's like the windrush generation um and i think it's named after the vessel um, that had brought that I think that initial batch of people over and it had been such a big deal and it's I think it's a bit ridiculous because essentially between I think late 1940s to early 1970s um, a bunch of immigrants I think mostly from Jamaica some from India and I think other Caribbean countries had been brought to the UK I think I think I want to say from from an economic point so like for people to help boost the economy mm, or okay. labor. migrant labor, yeah, migrant labor. But now I think I believe there was a change in immigration law in 2012 or so that now required people to have a particular documentation that these people had never been privy to. So then suddenly you've lived your life, you know, even if you, even if you came here like even as a 20 year old man, like you're now aged who knows what. So the bulk of your life. Your life has been spent here and now it's like oh actually we're gonna back to where you came from back to, and even like, though we got you from there like excuse me um and yeah it's always interesting also the dynamics that mm -hmm. exists between those things because like you had said earlier 
um the whole thing about the UN kind of defining that as like a human right mm -hmm. you had mentioned but of course like if it's like from a developed country to a developing country then we we don't do the same so like a Brit could just go live in Jamaica right now mm -hmm. or come live in Ghana and just live life whereas we can't just be like oh we're coming over here <laughs> to just like even me like getting a visa to come to the UK to visit my mom I was denied like three or four times wow yeah so it's always interesting how those were spilled out but yay sounds like you're having fun yeah i'm having a great time it's been <laughs> fascinating my head is still a jumble but i'm excited it's just like um we're gonna be going into paper writing season tune so i'm not used to the british system one bit like all my papers like do like right next to each other and there are um but like i'm ready to like wrap my head around it and i think like even though paper writing is like frustrating, it's the fun part of like pulling together all the ideas that you've been having. But enough about me. I want to hear all about your trip to Thailand. I feel like I haven't really gotten a chance to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I, um, yeah, I am. Um, over the summer in July, end of June, early July, I went to Thailand with a friend of mine here, Becca, um, from work. Um, and absolutely the best trip I've ever taken. Wow. Like, I I loved Thailand. Like, I if I could go back next year, I absolutely would. If I could go back right now, I would. <laughs> That's good. Dang. Let's just move to Thailand. Then. Let's just move to Thailand. <laughs> but to be honest, I think it's like from so many different angles. So Thailand has been one of the places that I've always kind of wanted to go. So actually being able to go was amazing. The food, the food was awesome. Mm. The food was ridiculous. Like we took a cooking class. Ooh. Yeah. And so now I feel like I'm like some Thai chef or so. <laughs> <laughs> I've had another awakening so chopped every, here we come right right so every now and then i whip up um some pad thai sometimes very successfully other times like grossly under so dinner at nana's house dinner hey dinner at my knock on wood is like on a good day where i actually make <laughs> my portions well but it was such a good experience so like food was good the i'm not gonna lie the currency conversion was really good because mm. like um it was just very affordable. Let's just say we had some experiences that we wouldn't have been able to like have here in London. Like spa like, kind of thing. We had spas, massages. We did like an elephant trip, which was like oh. so amazing because we got to feed them and like make their food and no riding, please. Leave the poor animals' um, backs in um, spines yeah. intact, please. They're not meant to them. be like domesticated like They're that. They're not meant to be at all. It's just like love on them. So... <laughs> I'll tell you guys this one thing that we did. So we did like a mud bath. And my friend and I at one point was like, this is so poop that we're digging up from the ground, isn't it? <laughs> mud, <laughs> yeah. Mud mixed with poop. Because essentially what happens is that you go, it literally is like a little pool, not like a pool pool, but like a, like a little a pond. Yeah. yeah, a little pit. And it's a kind of like muddy water. Mm -hmm. And so the mud is good for their skin. So we're supposed to give them like, almost like mud baths. Mm. And you have scrub, um, like, um, you have like um, a sponge thingy to scrub their mm -hmm. skin with and everything like to give them massages so you literally put your hand in the water take out the sand like scoop from the from the bottom of the pond thingy mm -hmm. and put it on them giant animal <laughs> um, it was a really good experience yeah. um, I think 
in my life it's just been you know getting acclimatized once again with work I'm already like I need a vacation and to be fair I do have a just cause for wanting a vacation because I haven't had a vacation since July since this trip um, so I think I'm just ready. Yeah, for, I'm ready. For and it. I feel like that your trip to Asia was like one of your the first time in a while like that you had because I think after after you graduated you were able mm -hmm. to go somewhere but then like after you started work I don't think you had gotten a chance to tra travel that much or just like take a step back. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, but you did go to Canada, so that was good. But I feel like Asia yeah. is just like such a different experience. I've, that's one part of the world that I've never been to that I'm just yeah. like really interested. So, like being your first time in Asia, like did it? Because uh, I think we go in with a certain like levels of like expectations or whatever. So, yeah. how did it meet or exceed or underperform, underperform. your expectations? Like to be completely honest, I'm I'm not gonna lie, cause like we did our travel episode where I was talking about the fact that like we need to travel our continent more, etc. Mm -hmm. And of course, I stand by that. Um, and initially this summer where we are supposed to have gone was Zanzibar but the cost just, just didn't work out and so knock on wood I'm praying I can go next year so I'm not gonna like going to Asia I was like I don't know how it will be mm. and funny enough I got my friend to ask his friend who had gone to our city Chiang Mai so that's where we were Chiang Mai and Pai and if you need any recommendations, hit me up and I'll be more than happy to give you them. Um, she essentially had had a really negative experience where they essentially had called her a monkey or something or like we're mimicking her butt. So that's like as negative as it gets. So wow. I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? Going to the other side of the world to go endure. Lord knows what racial abuse, but by God's grace, it wasn't at all like okay. that. Like Chiang Mai was like the best place. Like people were like almost too nice. Mm. Like we remember like that first day we went to like one of the temples and my friend and I, like we started talking to this guy who was like giving us more of a history of that particular temple. Um, and then he was like, oh my gosh, let me give you an itinerary. So he told us the other temple to go to, got a tuk-tuk for us. So fun fun fact, we were always like, oh my gosh, tuk-tuk, so cheap, ooh, fun. And then later on we realized that we were grossly overpaying for our tuk-tuks, grossly of a pain. Um, that's a story for another time. I mean, um, hey. But essentially, people like we didn't meet anybody. Like, or, or, or I, I don't think in our trip at any point in time did we feel like we're being judged for our. Funny enough, the only person who ever made any comment was like some random white guy. <laughs> so yeah. what was his comment? So I mean, it wasn't that bad, but it was like, oh my gosh, I love your hair. So my friend okay. has like Marley twists that were quite okay. long, like down to her butt, and I think he was like trying to touch them or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. Well, but I think at least he said he liked them. It wasn't yeah, like staring at them and, and disgusting. Yeah, I, I mean, it could have been. It could have been worse. Yeah. But it's interesting that all the way over there, and it's some. Random person, <laughs> no, not even a person from uh, local. It wasn't yeah, a local. It wasn't yeah. a local. Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah. It sounds like a really great experience. I'm just excited for us to be like in the same locale again, and like, I know. um, I'm excited for just like all the different events that like he. Keep, so then I keeps like trying to invite me to things, but she's working and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing she's inviting me to, I'm like, I'll catch the next one. <laughs> oh, um, but no, I'm sure there's gonna be like really fun events that we'll get to attend together or like. I Free stuff so. that we'll get to do. I know. I was telling just like, well, you can get creative, right? You can find some free, some free stuff. I was like, yeah, yeah I guess we can. I guess we can. Oh, speaking of free stuff, there's like a party at my school next Friday. You can come. Mm. It's like the Afro Caribbean party. Oh, is it like ACS? Ah. That's what they call them here. Oh, okay. I don't know what they call themselves, but yeah, maybe that's what they call it. But yeah, there's like party all night. Oh, that's really cool. Black History Month. So. 
um, oh, yeah, really? October is Black History Month in um, London. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. So check out Instagram. We'll try and have. I saw one thing that I think is really cool. It's like some sort of like art. This is me. Like, I see things all the time, and I kind of know what I'm talking about, but I don't have the specifics to back it up. But I know it's like an art display. I know it's a focus on us as black people. It looks really cool. I'll mm -hmm. find the details, and I'll post it on our Instagram so you can check it out. Um, but it's part of, like, Black History Month. Yeah. Yeah. And I know once it gets... Um once it gets colder, I'll be sure to like they start to check out the museums because I think there's a few free yeah. museums in the area. Right? The loads. Okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Because um, because I know DC spoiled me and I'm like all about them free museums, but yeah, we have France and other places. France are does not, not play. Not about those free museums. They're annoying. Someone's on their annoying <laughs> hours. Talk about it closes at six. Mm. Oh, but last entry is at five fifteen. Oh, mm. but I'm here at four thirty. But we still won't let you enter because we're closed. Like, excuse me, we'll sir. We'll talk about them another day. <laughs> excuse me, sir. Um, but yeah. So for now, I just know that I want to explore like all the main sites, like all the touristy stuff, while it's still nice out. Yeah. If it stays nice out, and then once it gets colder, I'll hit up museums and indoor attractions. Yeah. So that's yeah. my plan. Sounds good. Yeah. But I'm excited that we're here together, and we're gonna be able to record Afropolitan. Um. Afropolitan Central in the same location and that's going to be super exciting and I think it's going to make this season even more richer and I think it would be like really cool if we like talked a little bit about some of our visions for the season coming forward and everything. Yeah, absolutely. So I think like maybe we can even start with the name like Afropolitan Central, like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> I know, for me, um, let me see, when did I first, when did I first, like, get exposed to the word Afropolitan? I would have to say that it was probably, like, summer 2013. Okay. I think that was, like, very specific. Yeah, because I remember that was the summer, was it summer 2013? Sorry, summer 2014. My bad. Because mm. um, that was the summer where I was um, living in Little Senegal, and I um, yeah, finally started yeah. making, like, a group of, like, Afropolitan friends, because, like, yeah. Prior to that, like, I had you, and then I had, like, Chiname, um, and the two of you, and then, like, Sama, and, like, a few other, um, like, Africans of the diaspora friends, um, and so, but it wasn't until, like, 2014 that I really had, like, a group of friends where we were all, yeah. like, diaspora, diaspora Africans who were either, like, born in Africa and moved here as young kids, so, like, the 1.5 generation, or, um, so the 1.5 generation is like, so if you're a first generation immigrant, right, that means like yeah. I immigrated here. Uh -huh. But if I'm a 1.5 generation immigrant, that means I immigrated here with my parents. Isn't so that anyone, second generation? Mm -mm, because second generation is I was born. So uh -huh. first generation immigrant, you uh -huh. moved there yourself. Second generation uh -huh. immigrant, your parents moved there. Um, you moved with your parents. Yeah, 1.5 yeah. means that you were born abroad, but like mostly grew up in that place that you're in. So you're 1.5. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it depends on how you're counting, because like yeah. some people say like first generation American to mean second generation immigrant. Do you get me? Oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so 1.5 generation or like second generation immigrants um, or my friends, and so I think that was the summer where I like realized that like there's this whole like culture of Africans in the diaspora that yeah. I was just like so unaware of. Yeah. And so that's when I started doing like a lot more research on the computer. And I think the first site that I came across was um, Miss Afropolitan. She's, oh, um, I, I wish I knew her first name. Oh my gosh, I feel so bad because I follow her on Twitter and I just think she's just such a smart person. Mm -hmm. um, but um, she writes a lot of like feminist literature. Um, and so like her whole blog, Miss Afropolitan, is all about like 
um, either like Afropolitan topics or like feminist topics or like feminist Afropolitan topics. Yeah. Um, so it was her name that kind of first clued me into it. And then I started like researching that word. Um, and I found like articles on CNN, for example. There's this article yeah, called like yeah, yeah. Um, "Who Are the Afropolitans" or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was also like a few articles on um, "Africa is Not a Country" about yep. like "Don't call me Afropolitan" or like "I'm not an Afropolitan" or something like that. So it was just really interesting um, to see like the different imaginings of the word and like how that word came to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think doing that research for me kind of like helped me formulate my idea of the word, and I think it's a very encompassing word and I think personally for me I don't think it's a word that has to mean that you have to be in that 1.5 or second generation immigrant like I don't think you have to be an African in the diaspora to be an Afropolitan because the word comes from African right and cosmopolitan yeah. so you could be in Lagos you could be in Accra you could be in Cape Town yeah. and have that cosmopolitan vibe right and yeah. be African um, so for me personally, Afropolitan is more of a mindset than like a physicality. Okay. Um, and it's also the idea that like maybe I um, like relate better with like a British Ghanaian than mm-hmm. I do with like um, a fellow Nigerian who hasn't had similar experiences or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Fighting so. words. It's not fighting words. I'm not trying to fight with anybody, but I'm just like saying the idea that like. Um, it kind of, um, I don't know, it's just, it's just, it's just a relate, it's a relation point, right? So it's, yeah. it's a touch point. And then yeah, I think yeah, you yeah. just, you just, you just know when you know, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that makes sense. I think like for me, funny enough, I think I heard that word from like Africa as a country. Mm-hmm. Um, they, one of the articles that they did and I was like, so you can put it on this. So it's like from a very superficial point where I was like, oh my gosh, I love the sound of this word. It sounds just very mm, mm-hmm. boom. <laughs> African and cosmopolitan, which is kind of dumb. But I think like, you know, when the, I like I was telling Amalai when we had talked about this initially, I was like, I don't think I've ever had a conversation with somebody else where I've been mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm Afropolitan. Like, I don't think it's that type kind of term mm-hmm. where I'd refer myself um you know I'll describe myself using it mm-hmm. but I think you know from like a theoretical point of view I'm like okay that is that that is me that really captures me because mm-hmm. for me my definition is very much like an African or somebody with a good strong connection to the African continent it could be that you are from there it could be like a second whatever generation Mm -hmm. um you've had a variety of experiences but you're still very deeply interested and very deeply connected Mm -hmm. to the happenings on the continent and to its development and you know all that fun stuff so i think for me when it came time to name the podcast normalized at afropolitan central i was like that's perfect because i think that captures like what we are because at the end of the day i'm from ghana i'm guinean right i lived in ghana up until the time I was 18 when I moved to the US to go to Elon. But I also think that if I say now that I'm Ghanaian, I think there's a missing link there or there's like some gaps. Right, like it doesn't fully capture the whole picture. It doesn't fully capture the whole picture and I think it's also slightly presumptuous of me because I know that there's so many things happening back home that I have zero context exactly, zero exactly. idea of. So that would be assuming certain things. Of course I am Ghanaian, but I'm like, like from a 
cultural like just whatever like there are all these different things that I relate to now because I moved to the US when I was 18 stayed there till I was like what 24 or so so that's like a big chunk of your if formative like, years exactly so maybe not formative years but those times when you really form your identity as a person yeah. as an adult like all that stuff yeah and then you know also having now been here in the UK and mm -hmm. kind of getting those experiences so I think like, you know, even if I come, even if I relate to, you know, my, some of my childhood friends, etc. there is that little golf just based on those different experiences. Right. Like if I say I'm just going to end, it doesn't fully capture the whole Your thing. entire yeah. Identity, yeah. Yeah. And I kind so. of to bring it back to some of my research a little bit. Um, so yeah. I was looking at Senegalese migration and even now as we talk about migration. So I'm taking an anthropology class, like auditing an anthropology class as well. And so we recently okay. talked about transnationalism and that was like the focus of my undergraduate thesis on Senegalese migration and it's this concept that like because of the nature of the world today like you don't just move from here to here yeah. with and then just like forget about the other thing you know what I mean yeah. so it's not as if um you like move from like for example Nigeria to the U.S. and then just like completely forget about Nigeria no no or, and it's not on but it's not also like you also remember Nigeria so much that you never integrate into the U.S. either mm -hmm. there's this like in-between space of yeah. um, what we call transnationalism where it's like you're able to go back and forth and even if it's not physically like maybe you were never able to fly back or like you know for what or you don't even go back but maybe like culturally or like um yeah religiously or like the community that you surround yourself with yeah. you create this like transnational sphere that yeah. transcends both the localities that you belong to yeah. and creates this, this new space and so for me that's kind of like yeah. what afropolitan captures capture. exactly and uh, for me too like afropolitan goes a little bit above and beyond transnationalism and the idea that like it's not just those two spaces of like okay nigeria and the u.s that i'm able to embody as an afropolitan yeah. it's also like all the things that I'm able to connect to by like, you know, being being friendly with like Afropolitans yeah. in Britain and being friendly yeah. with Afropolitans in other places in the US or yeah. Canada or even Afropolitans back on the continent. Like Absolutely. we're able to like embody like this space that like transcends all the localities that we could all individually Absolutely. belong to. Yeah, because we have those kind of shared experiences. And I think like I don't know, maybe this is me going on a tangent again, but this kind of conversation also brings to mind the whole debate with Trevor Noah and the French national players. Oh, yeah! Yeah, <laughs> where he was like, excuse me, they're, you know, French Senegalese. Yeah. All these things. And then the minister was like, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. They are only French. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I actually ended up writing a Medium article about this. Yeah. Because yeah. I kind of took it back to the history of France and the way, um, like, France's, like, exceptionalism and the idea that, like, to be French meant to, like, 110%, like, strip your African identity. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. like, even... So during colonialism, right, um, and I remember this from my um, class that I took when I was in Senegal, our education and culture teacher told us about, like, when he was growing up, like, in grade school, right, they had this textbook where they would have to, like, read, like, the goals are my ancestors, and the goals are, like, the ancestors of, like, the French French, like, hexagonal French, like, clearly they're not the ancestors of, like, Senegalese people. Okay. Um, and so, for the French, like, being French meant, like, oh, like, you wore their outfit, you followed their religion, you did X, Y, Z, you know what I mean? And so yeah. for the, like, for me, it felt like for the French minister to, like, open his mouth and say that, it's like, did <laughs> you? Open his mouth, 
lordy. Did you not read your own history? Like, it's just such a loaded term to be like, yeah. no, they are French and only French. Like, yeah. why can't they be? Because what Trevor Noah, Trevor Noah wasn't saying they weren't French. He no. was saying they were French and African. And African like, yep. why can't you let them be both? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so yeah. if you're ever interested in the Medium article, maybe we can link it below. Um, yeah. Because it also kind of talks about... Um, how France doesn't capture um, racial data or like census data the way yeah. that the U.S. and other countries yes. do because yeah. like they don't they don't see race you and know what I mean which makes it harder to tackle it. racism and discrimination when you don't have status. Mm. I yeah. just went away for it. Yeah, <laughs> we can talk about this for another episode. Yeah, I think I guess what's also really interesting about Afropolitan too is that like the positive is how fluid it is mm. isn't it because it can capture so many different things because like you know an african-american in dc who is you know still connected to the continent and you know has a vested interest in it either they have a business there or they're studying it or they take up you know they take trips there and they want to settle that person can be an afropolitan right but i guess i was talking to malaya when we were saying what about other terms because i think like things like british nigerian for mm. instance or American Ghanaian or is it Ghanaian American? I don't know, whichever way it goes. <laughs> I think like those are things that we often tell other people mm. um, or we, you know, we actively identify with because it's also like that unique location. So mm. you're able to understand all the cultural stuff that would come with being British Nigerian. Whereas like if I say I'm Afropolitan, you first have to like, like take a step back and explain it first of all. What the heck is this term? <laughs> and then like do yeah. the whole like history lesson. History lesson all that <laughs> Whereas like stuff. Nigerian or British Ghanaian would be yeah. an easy package yep. to present. Yep. Right? Yep, 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 yeah. And so I guess if we bring it back on you know, let me quickly read what a couple of friends um kind yeah. of said. Because I think it's important. Yeah. And of course like, you know, after this episode is live and everything we'd love to continue this conversation like yeah what does afropolitan mean to everyone but here's what a few of our friends have to say has said yeah so my friend samantha hey girl hey said afropolitan to me means a celebration recognition and promotion of african cultures african cultures multi-dimensional attributes Ooh. it's also a modern word for pan-african Okay, that's interesting. To be like, I like, I said, um, so it grew from that term. It grew from Mm -hmm. that term, and I can actually, when she said that, I was like, oh, that's a really good point because Mm -hmm. I haven't made that link because I feel like Pan African is very much like my dad and my grandpa's generation, Mm -hmm. you know, within Chroma and Pan Africanism, all that fun stuff. But I think for us today, Afropolitan could be that word that Mm -hmm. captures it. Um, My friend Ife also said, hey, girl, hey. She has a long one. She said, Afropolitan to me sounds like the modern day African. She's like, I actually never heard the words of your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But it fits. Yeah, but it fits. So she's like, I haven't actually described myself with it. Um, but just based on it, 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 it sounds like the modern-day African with different unique experiences and opinions on African culture and how it's evolving and opinions and I think of the modern-day African with different unique experiences and opinions on African culture and how it's evolving, especially as Africans integrate with other societies. So I think all that, like, I think both of us, it captures our ethos Mm -hmm. of that word Mm -hmm. because with this podcast, like, and we had, you know, one of our friends ask us, like, who are you targeting? Are you targeting, like, you know, like, black British people? Are you targeting African-Americans? Are you targeting second-generation Africans Mm -hmm. in the U.S.? Like, who exactly? Black continent, like, people on the continent. Like, who are you... (coughs) 
excuse me, who are you targeting? And I think for us, like, we want to be in that fluid space mm -hmm. where exactly. we're kind of pulling on those super shared experiences that we know will transcend to those places. I know that with that, we also run the risk of we 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 stay in the theoretical <laughs> arena that nobody yeah. ever is like. We promise uh, the next episode will be a little less class time. <laughs> <A> little. <laughs> <laughs> but I think like because to be fair, like we had said, like for me, I'm not Black British, and I think it would be a disservice for me to try to talk Capture about that, those yeah. experiences because I don't think I'm qualified to speak on it on them. I don't know how you feel about the African American yeah. experience. Exactly, I think that's kind of how I feel too. Like, because I think similarly to the fact that I didn't really have many um, Afropolitan friends, I also didn't make very many African American friends until uni either. Mm -hmm. So I do feel that there's like a very large aspect of that culture and yeah. experiences that I'm not privy to either, or wasn't Absolutely. privy to um, yeah. growing up. Yeah, yeah. And so for us, I think that ultimately what we want to do is just connect and touch all the different people. I know it sounds quite ambitious, <laughs> but just the different people yeah. that just also share these common experiences exactly. that we we share. You exactly. know, what it feels like to, um, you know, be vested in development and migration for the African continent, maybe larger, what it means to be a Ghanaian who's moved around mm -hmm. and is now in the UK, pursuing a career in financial services consultant, whatever the heck that means. <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, be it, you know, um, somebody, let's say even in Brazil, knock on wood. Yeah. Who, you know, who listens to us and says, you know, I want to come back to the continent and, right, and exactly. do something. Because so. it's just about this idea that, like, so if Afropolitan is this, like, shared space that transcends localities, yeah. where can we have that community to, like, have those discussions that do touch us, like, Absolutely. across our localities? And so Absolutely. that's kind of, like, the idea behind it being, like, Afropolitan Central, yep. right, where we all come together as a community, mm -hmm. um, centralize our discussions, centralize the different things. Because just because, like, you know, we're having an experience here in London doesn't mean that there's, like, not an Afropolitan somewhere in Brazil or Thailand even that's um, having these similar experiences where we yeah. can like inspire each other, show each other the way and like just have Absolutely. these discussions that like um, still ring true. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And so the idea of like central being like a hub and like this, yeah. you know, space. Yeah. And I think also just the nuance of our experiences because mm -hmm. I think, you know, like I said, when we talk about representation, etc., of course I have my country Ghana, and of course, you know, we have all those platforms, but I think those little things that, like, you know, somebody else wouldn't understand, but somebody else here will under like, just those, that kind of little um, common areas. Because mm -hmm. for me, once again, it reminds me of that very first time I read Americana, where mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, like, Girl, this is my... Devoured. This is, like, so my experience, because if Amelu was, you know, a Nigerian girl who just moved to the U.S., just like me, being Ghanaian, I moved to the U.S., and so many of her struggles, like, I had gone through, but I didn't even know that that was a thing mm -hmm. like I didn't know exactly. like, identity, like and you were able to identify with it even though you were Ghanaian American absolutely. and I know some African Americans who really identify with that book too yeah yeah absolutely so. absolutely so I think it's those kind of spaces that's what we want to build something for and that's what we're hoping to you know build a community out of because ultimately our vision is to be able to have it really truly be a community and a hub where you know if you have business ideas if you have 
you know, social, you know, whatever, take it offline to be able to really truly build a community from this, you know, yeah. whatever that looks like in this kind of exactly. modern thing where we're saying it transcends locality. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm super excited. We are super excited to like take you all along. So we'd love to hear your thoughts. What do you think? Like, what are you excited to like hear about and listen to this season? Um, what does Afropolitan mean to you? And yeah, yeah, I think we have some exciting stuff because this time we actually we're being super you know structured about it we have our episodes all laid out etc so we're really excited we're hoping to get some guests yeah as well um so stay tuned for that but overall like you know we're really excited about like this little you know this little space this little community yeah. that we're creating um that hopefully also resonates with you and hopefully you know your narratives and your stories are being reflected um, so thank you for always tuning in. We're yeah. excited for season two and yeah, we'll talk to you soon.